What if I told you that we are always under construction? Our physical bodies are all, what we're doing right now is setting us up for the body we will inhabit in the next moment. That is one of the philosophies of this week's guest here on the Chase Jarvis Live Show on Creative Live. The guest is Aaron Alexander. Now, if you're familiar with Aaron's work, you're going to be excited for this. And if you're not familiar, I have to tell you, I think you're in for some new thinking. Aaron is a manual therapist. He's a movement coach. He's an author and the host of an amazing podcast I love called The Align Podcast. Aaron takes practices from cultures all over the world. He's gathered these ideas and insights past podcast guests, his travel, to understand that we have the ability to integrate movement into our daily lives. Even more so, the healthiest populations in the world, they actually don't come from gym culture. So if you you know, shudder at the thought of having to go to the gym three times a week for two hours at a time, that actually you are right to be uh, wary of that. And in fact, the healthiest cultures don't do that. They have movement infused into every aspect of their life. And it's not as hard as you might think. Aaron is an amazing guest. Being a host of his own show, we have a really intimate conversation. He's super articulate. And look, if you don't have your health in this life, what do you have? Aaron is a master at helping us find that health, find it in a way that is deeply resonant with me, and I know it's going to resonate with you. So I'm going to get out of the way. Enjoy this week's show. Yours truly and Aaron Alexander. This episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. Creators and entrepreneurs, hobbyists to full-time professionals, they've all leveled up with their careers and their lives through taking courses on Creative Live. And to be fair, they also make this show happen. They make it possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, I encourage you to check it out right now. This is where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photography, video, art, design, music, and audio, craft, and maker classes, plus the ability to make a living and a life in any one or all of those disciplines. Now, you all know that I'm a huge believer in the power of habits, and you've probably heard me talk on the show about how small daily choices add up to design and create the life that we actually live. Now, Creative Live, as a sponsor here in this announcement, wants you to know that they have a new powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. How can you get the Creator Pass? And with the Creator Pass, you can find new areas to develop your skills. You don't have to worry about just buying one class. This allows you to improve your craft, consider making money if you want to with whatever it is that you're trying to do, to pull on your own threads of curiosity and explore. If you're ready to invest in yourself and take the reins for this one precious life that you've got, then subscribing to Creative Live is designed to push you in this direction. Sign up for Creative Live today. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for making this happen, man. I appreciate it. It's great to get to meet yeah. you. I've been engaging with your uh, podcast and your work. I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, well, thank you. And the same is true in reverse. I've been engaging with yours, which is one of the reasons I wanted you on the show. Uh, I confessed that uh, just prior to us starting to record, we are recording with video and audio for those of you who are consuming on one or the other platform. Uh, and I confessed that I have what I consider to be a posture problem. I don't know how it got it. I don't, I don't know uh, where it's going. I know it needs work. And 
part of your universe is, well, you've got a new book that we're going to talk a little bit about, about alignment and the align method. Um, but your work encompasses just health and wellness generally, but I would invite you to early on here in the show, just give a short overview of uh, how people ought to orient around you and your work, what, how you self-describe, etc. cetera. Yeah. Uh, so the difference in the approach that I take on the podcast and in my book, The Align Method, um, and on social media and just in general, like my, my stance in the world, this like movement, fitness, wellness, mind, body conversation is that fitness is beyond just what you do inside of a gym or what you do in a yoga studio or a martial arts dojo, you know, when you're really actively paying attention to the way that you move uh, or the way that you breathe, or maybe even the way that you think. Uh, but it's in fact, every moment throughout the day, they're all opportunities to engage with fitness. So it's not something that you do it's something that you are it's something that i've said probably six thousand times at this point um so apologize for it sounding a little rote redundant in my own mind um you know but that's i think that's the big difference is the awareness that your body's under construction 100 percent of the time you know so as we're sitting here we have this this magical process called mechanotransduction which is essentially your cell. Ooh, we love a big word. It's we love taking, a big word around here. Yeah, yeah let's start. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just the idea that your cells are responding to the pressures that uh, you expose them to through your existence. So right now, you are mechanotransducing your, your ass and your back, uh, maybe your feet a little bit. And as you, as you press your body up against those spaces, you're creating a bit of an electrical charge around that space, and it's sending signals to the engineers, the cells within your body, that either choose to break down tissue in that space or build it up. You know, so right now, you're like this amazing piece of art. You're always an amazing piece of art, uh, but you know, it's like you are, are chiseling yourself out of, out of marble. You're like a Michelangelo. And you're not just Michelangeloing yourself when you're at a gym, but literally, you know, every every step you take, every breath you, you know, like it's all it's all a part of it. <laughs> it's all in a police song. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, that's part of the you know I, part of what I love about this this the work that I get to do in bringing uh, you know the information in the heads and the minds and the hearts of the most creative and entrepreneurial people in the world is this idea of counterintuitive knowledge. And part of one of the things that I wanted to celebrate with uh, your work on the show today, part of what I wanted to help teach the, the listeners and watchers is how to take an active role in what you talk about as a 24 seven lifelong, always, you know, you're shaping your body, not just at the gym. And one of the reasons I'm a fan of that is because it's obviously wickedly useful right? Because we would all love to get the benefits of a gym without having to go, to go uh, or maybe not all of us, that might be an overstatement, but many of us. Um, and the, the subtext here is that if you do not have your health, what do you have? We talk about building businesses yeah. and creative careers and transforming lives. But if you do not at a very fundamental uh, level, if you do not have your health, then what have you got? So it's with that sort of backdrop in mind that I wanted to dive in <clears throat> and I'm going to, I'm going to cover a bunch of ground, you know, referencing your book and your podcast. Um, but specifically the principles that you shared with us in your sort of opening salvo there about how, um, how 
the body is a very dynamic organism and it's always under construction or reconstruction. And I thought one lens they're doing this selfishly, Hey, I'm the host. So, um, no one can take my mic away. You can turn me off, I guess. But I like to think of myself as, is okay. I'm here. I am. I'm chase. I'm just the guy and life, you know, there's a, we all have different degrees of physical fitness and, each of ours has ebbed and flowed over time from, you know, ch- ch- childhood to adulthood, from, you know, the summer to the winter, from, you know, on season, some sport to off season. And so given that, that there's so many dynamic things at work, that we have work pressures, we have work stresses, I'm, I'm using myself as a, I'm, let's just pretend I'm any average listener I have discovered now at this particular time in my life through a combination of elements, I'm going to make these up, but I think anyone could insert their own in there. And I'm finding myself in pain in a way that I have not been before. Let's just do the most basic, you know, look back. I have been a career uh, photographer for 20 something years. And what does a photographer do, but holds a camera up to one's face holds like 15 pounds out in front of my head. And if you were listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but I've got, so my neck is out in front of the rest of my body, which means my, my hips have to tilt a certain way, my neck, etc. Also, I am on the road a lot. I spend a lot of my time instead of in front of a big monitor that I have right now and all of my gear and my stand-up desk, I spend a lot of time on my phone because I'm in the back of an Uber or on an airplane or whatever. And you know, this is another characteristic because I'm bent over, bent at the neck, looking down at my phone. And then insert N number of other influences. And what I'm finding is my posture sucks. I'm six foot tall. I asked someone the other day how tall they thought I was. I was sitting down. They thought I was five, eight or five, nine, just in their head. That's what they picked. So there's this stacking of um, what I would just call problematic inputs and here I am finding myself for the first time in my life. I consider myself a fit person. I'm in pain. I've got legit ongoing sort of pain in my neck. I feel it negatively impacting my life. It impacts the amount of work that I can do, the joy that I can have, the movement that I would normally be doing as a part of my physical regimen. Where ought I start if I'm leaning into Aaron's method help me and by extension, of course, the listeners, because I'm yeah. making myself out to be the average Joe or yeah. Jane. Where do I get started? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing, there's been extensive research around postural patterns and, and uh, things that we would typically historically deem to be problematic postural patterns being the primary cause of pain. And it's it's really fuzzy and blurry to suggest that say a forward head posture, maybe say a scapula winging or a dowager's hump or a hyperkyphosis or valgus knee or, you know, any of that is a direct one-to-one association to this is causing the pain. I think pain is such a, a broad, complex subject and it's highly, can be highly subjective. And there is an aggregate of objective uh, variables that exist and they can all stack up uh, to eventually create uh, in a person's inner experience to be somewhat of an alarm going off. 
you know, and so I would think of it from the lens, if we were working together, for example, or if you're, you know, reading the Align Method book or, you know, any of that, I'd, I'd be coming to it from the lens of, you know, what is your, your stress bucket, which isn't a term that I, I came up with, uh, but, you know, looking at how is your sleep, how is your nutrition, how is your general management of your mind throughout the day? Are you overrun, overrun with the same, the same repetitive thought that essentially is about like some version of doomsday that's particular to you um you know and then including within that postural patterns you know and how are you moving and how are you not moving you know and so i think a a, a big culprit in the the movement conversation is you know like sedentarism is killing you it's the new cigarettes it's like all the bad things in the world but if you look at this is a little bit divergent from your question. We'll come back to specifically like the, the, your experience with, with pain and, and how we can address that. Um, but a, a, a common culprit would be that, that sedentary lifestyle. And when you look at cultures such as in Tanzania, for example, Hatsa people, there was some research from University of Southern California where researchers went out there and observed the amount of movement and the quality of movement, you know, the manner of movement of these people throughout the day. And what he found with the Hatsa tribes people was that they were in resting positions that we commonly demonize as being like, you know, the end of the world for us. Uh, they're in these resting positions about similar time frames as industrialized cultures. So the average was 9.82 hours each day. It's like nine to 10 hours a day, which is pretty similar to most like you and I type people. Uh, the difference is the manner in which they are in these resting positions. So they're spending time kneeling, they're spending time squatting, they're spending time cross-legged, maybe in a straddle position. You know, they're essentially moving like if you've ever been around a kid. Do you have kids? I don't have kids. Uh, I am the uncle to many, but I, I love the way, that I love this concept in movement, looking at how kids move. I'm, I'm well aware of it and I think it's fascinating. Yeah, kids are teachers. You know, they, they, yeah. they, ha they haven't been uh, obstructed by the concept of who they think they are, who they think they're supposed to be. They haven't been institu inst institutionalized to carry out someone else's will, ultimately. You know, I'm not getting, I don't want to get excessive like tinfoil hat um, direction. I mean, we can. Uh, but the, the, the concept of, of sitting down and hunching over into a chair wearing, you know, raised heeled shoes and then closing in the potential range of motion for your, your visual muscles, which is also associated to that stress bucket, um, you know, and having, you know, typically carrying a backpack over one side, trying to be cool, maybe hunch over a little bit for that. You sag your pants. Like there's all these cultural, cultural constructs that impact and imprint the way that a person moves from a young age. Now we impose a little bit of shame in there, maybe a lot of bit of shame in there, wherever that came from. Maybe it's some Puritan thing. Maybe it's, a, you know, who cares where it came from? It's very common, you know? And so now maybe we're embarrassed to really show up and, and feel full, expressive, confident, upright, tall, like take up space. You know, so this comes into a very common conversation, maybe especially like a tall, if, if like a girl is tall, they'll literally sh oftentimes shrink up because they don't, you know, they don't want to take up too much space, you know? And so it's such an interesting thing, just kind of conveying the idea that your, your movement is so much more than just the amount of 
kettlebells that you lift or the barbells or the type of pull-ups that you do. Literally every thought that you make throughout the day, it has a, a, a physiological structural translation. So if you are afraid, you know, if you are really proud, if you are really sad, all of those emotions have direct one-to-one postural physiological expressions and translations. So I know I didn't answer anything there, but just kind of painting a little bit of a picture of like this pain. And it's like, we come from a mechanistic mindset broadly. So we of course think what's wrong in my car. It must be the carburetor. Let's change out a couple nuts and washers and boom, we're done. It's like, no, no, you are a complex system as opposed to a complicated system. You know, complicated system, you change out the, the nuts and the washers, done. Complex system, it's like, oh boy, it thrives on variables. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of the opposite in that way. And so it's more of an orchestra. So it's like, okay, let's, let's, get, let's, let's have all the musicians come together. Let's have a conversation and start to create relationship. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm fascinated by that. And I think one might, I'll take a liberty here and couch that is let's approach this holistically. It's not just that you work at a computer or it's not just that you are a photographer or it's not, there's a holistic approach to your work. And, you know, I, I, I believe similarly, I'm also a huge mindset person. Um, and, you know, uh, friend Tony Robbins, for example, talks about if you, you know, you sort of like, you have to, you know, your physiology, you can change your mentality by changing your physiology. What is a confident, proud, excited, happy person? You know, do they look, you know, hunched over and bent and, and, and are they small and meek? Not normally. And if you, you know, stand up straight, put your shoulders back and, you know, open yourself up. I think there's a, the science of smiling, right? If you smile, then you, the, the actual muscles of smiling will drive positive inputs into your, uh, psychology, et cetera. So, if we can then say, you know, all right, um, <laughs> Mr. Alexander, you've got yourself a holistic approach to this. I want to get back to my question, which is cool. Where do I start? Let's just, we can yeah. throw rocks at my heritage or my you know, <laughs> soccer, in, my soccer injuries or the, or my professional, my, my professional woes. And yeah. to be, I want to, I want to qualify this. My pain is pain with a small P. Like I'm just, I have historically been a very fit very active, like painfully active person. Mm-hmm. And so this new, this like pain is, it's bugging me a little bit in the back of my head. So there is some of that psychology at work, but yep. knowing that you're going to try and think of us, our, our bodies as a holistic dynamic mechanism, I still want to know where to start. Yep. Um, so where are you experiencing pain in particular? Not that it's completely relevant to this, where you're having the pain is exactly like where we need to address, but where are you experiencing pain? Base of the skull from sort of top of the spine down to mid back. Okay. How long has it been happening? Is there anything that actually exacerbates it particular? Is there a time of day? Is there an activity? Uh, usually in the afternoon, I feel it more. Uh, I do find myself uh, sitting in really poor conditions, just, uh, you know, I'll try and move, you know, especially when we started working at home across the pandemic, I started moving my my workspace around because I felt re-energized if I would move from the kitchen table to the couch to my sure. stand-up desk to move around a little bit. And it has been noticed, other people have noted, I gave you the example of my posture, just yep. someone thought I was five five nine or something the other day. And I was, I'm basically been six foot since I was probably 17 years old. And 
I'm, I find myself not standing upright. So the combination of all these things is like, okay, in the afternoons, especially recently. And again, I just, I, I just had a, a eclipsed a particular birth age or a particular age that is making me reconsider like, wait a minute, I want to defy this age. I don't want to, you know, age is a number. I want to be healthy. So it's, yeah. it's, there's a bunch of thinking going on as well. Like how do I restart, recharge and uh, realign? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would seek out a practitioner. You know, I, I think seeing a really good physical therapist or a manual therapist or you know, maybe a, a rolfer or maybe someone that's effective with dry needling and really understands kinesiology uh, and where the bits ought to be, you know, and be able to actually examine and take you through a full diagnostic and say, okay, when you put your arms up over your head, here's what your scapulae are doing. You know, when you are walking, here's your gait pattern. Like I can actually be able to sit back and spend some time and, and see what's happening, uh, be able to adjust and then check to see if that makes a difference. Okay, yes, no. Okay, if yes, okay, let's keep going in that direction. No, so the the problem solving path of of working with pain through that the the mechanistic lens, uh, I think having a, um, a a practitioner by your side is invaluable. Um, that being said there are things that we can talk about in a conversation as far as like, like shotgun exercises or self-care approaches that anybody can integrate in their life. Uh, something that would be supportive one would, so postural patterns, typically most of the research would suggest that postural patterns are not, they're not a one-to-one connection to shoulders doing this. It means you're going to be in pain. If you were to look at MRIs or x-rays of a lot of people's uh, spines or knees or shoulders, what you'd find is some people it looks like a complete like like mess. You know, like there's no way that that knee should be functioning properly and they're completely fine. Same thing with discs, same thing with shoulders. And then the inverse can be happening with someone who is in a lot of pain. You look at it, it's like, well, the charts look pretty good. Uh, but what is consistently helpful is movement. You know, so if you are taking yourself through full ranges of motion, it acts as a really beautiful shotgun for just restoring your tissues back to a baseline of health. Uh, and it's also, it's telling your nervous system that, you know, you have something to show up for. I think one of the most challenging things for the human organism is to outsource the necessity for us to need to show up. <laughs> like it's such an amazing thing that we've gotten to a point where we can literally lay some of us could lay on a couch, trade cryptocurrency, you know, and just have your blue lit screen phone in front of your face, which is inherently stressful to be in that position, actually. And we can talk about the reasons why and have, you know, food delivered to your face, have, you know, have whatever you need just delivered directly to your face. You know, if you pay enough, they'll even <laughs> feed you. And it's like, like, I'm like, I'm so impressed and enamored by that, like happy, like, like good effort human culture for us to have arrived at that point. Um, but we really, we need, we need to move, you know, in order for our cells uh, and our nervous system to function optimally. So something that I would suggest and just, I would suggest just as like a baseline, get things moving and just you know, add this into your work life would be get a pull-up bar in your, uh, a doorway that you commonly pass through. You got one now? It's seven feet from where I'm standing right now. How, how often do you use it? And what do you do well, with me, it? Do you typically just do like typical pull-ups? So I, yeah, I just came off of a cycle in the fall, spring, sorry, summer, 
Uh, I did not continue it in the fall with any determination, but I did 50 pushups, 50 pull-ups, 50 sit-ups every day. And so this, the concept of 50 pull-ups a day, you know, people are like, oh, that's a lot or 50 pull-ups or push-ups, not enough. So regardless of the volume, just doing those exercises every day had a very transformative effect on right. my psychology, my body. And the hanging thing was new. So I got a pull-up bar that actually could move around the house. Um, nice. And it was crazy helpful. Almost, yeah. I, I would say I had zero pain. And again, you're talking about someone who I was an outdoor action sports photographer for 20 years. I yep. played you know, Olympic development soccer. So hyper like overactive my entire life. And yet I can still find myself slipping into periods of inactivity. And I'm thinking about people who would identify as less active than they desire, like how easy it was for me to work these aspects into my day. For example, the pull-up bar that I'm pointing to, which is now seven feet from my head. Right. Yeah. So there's an interesting book um, outside of the one that I made. I have a chapter in the book all about the, the power of hanging. And, uh, but there's a, a book that I, I based a, a reasonable chunk of that chapter around was a book by a guy, a guy called Dr. John Kirsch, who wrote a book called uh, shoulder pain question mark. And he was an orthopedic surgeon that found that he's, he, he claims in the book that 99% of the patients that he would be treating with surgery for, for some variety of shoulder impingement syndrome, um, were, were healed you know, re relieved of their pain entirely just through going a basic, oh, there you go. You got, what, what, what was the, what was the surgery you had? It was a bank art procedure, a full rebuild of the glenoid labrum, suture anchors. Uh, it was from chronic dislocation from early football, then later right. soccer injuries around, yeah. around uh, college, early sort of young pro early late college university. Yeah. 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 So, so the, the human body through just, if we were in a more like natural is a very relative word as well. You get like the naturalistic fallacy to think that everything you deem to be natural is just like better. And it's like, what does natural mean in the first place? But if you were in a, a reality where you were maybe moved by the sun, you know, you're set to a circadian rhythm, you got up with the sun, you kind of, and after that it was like red light and fires. You had varied contours of ground that your ankles and your, you know, your feet were exposed to, which inevitably that would trickle up through the rest of your nervous system, your body. Uh, you know, you're reaching up overhead with some level of regularity, you're squatting up and down with some level of regularity, you're kneeling, you're maybe walking a little bit more. You're, you're, the big thing is you're just exposed to nature, like mm -hmm. nature, nature heals, you know, and it's, it's almost, we take a lot of these simple solutions to feel almost like trite or oversimplistic. If something's too complicated, it's probably kind of stupid. <laughs> like, like, like we self-organize very well if you place us into the proper environment, you know? And so my approach working with, with clients or, or the book or the podcast or any of that is really kind of like, a. are you familiar with Bruce Lipton? Have you ever done anything with him or no, biology, no. Bio, biology, I believe he's fantastic. He, he was one of the, the, the primary, um, he spearheaded the, the concept of epigenetics and he's been around forever. He's, he's probably in his like late sixties or seventies now. And so the concept of epigenetics that we don't just have this genetic disposition and you know, whatever your mom and dad, whatever they granted you, like that's, that's your cards. 
it's your genetics change based off of environmental conditions. And one of the things that he suggested to me in a, in a conversation that I recorded with him was uh, when working with cells in a Petri dish, if you wanted to change the, the cell, whatever the constitution, whatever, whatever aspect of the cell, you change the, the culture in the dish that the, that the cell resides in. You know, and so that pull-up bar is a beautiful example. And you had that experience of like, I know that we still have the, the next stuff, so we can, we can keep on marching down the line here with, with different solutions. Um, but that's an environmental condition that you, you, know, you just made a, a, a slight addition into your world that suddenly you're attracted, you're moved by the pull-up bar being there. Uh, the other thing that I would recommend looking at what's happening in your neck outside of just exclusively being a neck thing and looking at more globally, like full body thing, would be what's happening in the function of the range of motion in your ankles. What's happening in the range of motion in your hips? You know, so how are you, what's your range of motion like when you squat? Can you like do a deep squat? Is that comfortable for you? Yeah. Um, I have, I would consider very deep, you know, I can do single pistol, single leg pistols with each oh, leg. Uh, I can you. comfortably sit with my, you know, fully at the bottom of a squat in a, uh, with my heels on the ground nice. for more than 10 minutes. This is all, you know, Dr. Kelly Strett stuff, mutual friends of ours right. years. Yeah. Like all, all, all that I'm pretty good at ankles, notoriously horrible. I have one that will lock up on me broken okay. many times, you know, torn ligaments, uh, you know, potentially certainly more than 20 times, maybe as many as 50 time. Like I got my ankles taped every day for six years throughout, you know, late high school, early college. So yep. horrible ankle on one side that, you know, hasn't. And, and again, for folks listening out there in the show right now, this is not about Chase Jarvis's injuries and what I'm hoping that you can put yourself, whatever your little, you know, micro malady may be. We're thinking about this all through the lens that, that Aaron's, you know, projecting no, movement yeah, these... and, and alignment as, as yeah. a vector for health. Yeah. yeah, these are all really common patterns. I mean, these are like patterns of modernity. A lack of ankle dorsiflexion is that's just a modern person sitting in a chair for a good chunk of their life. You know, any any kid pre five years old has no problem with any of these positions. You know, so 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 literally in the fetal stage, as you're coming out, like on the edge of coming out in the third trimester, coming out of of your mother you start to develop these little facet joints on the edge of the, the tibias uh, to be able to actually have this sliding pathway for you to be able to go through a full deep squat. You know, so your physiology, you're like, your, your, your innate physiology is like, cool, like, is the kid ready to squat? Yep, ready to squat. Okay, get him out. <laughs> like, ready to go. And then we abandon that, you know, and, and the squatting position, not that I'm going to make this be a whole conversation around championing squatting, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it literally just another example of how we 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 so directly go against um, our inherent, you know, native disposition, our you know, our our inherent physiological patterns. A lot of modern culture has you know abandoned in those range of motions and even made it seem like I don't know, like stupid or goofy or like oh you're like a hippie or you're like oh you're like a yoga person. If you're like in a a, a natural human resting position, you're just squatting while you're waiting for a bus or something like that people are like oh wow like what's with that guy you know <laughs> so to be strange or to be weird in a culture that is you know it seems like statistically each year we're becoming more and more addicted to 
opiates of various, you know, various degrees, whether it's pharmaceuticals or, um, you know, anti psychotic medication or anti-anxiety medication or, you know, self-harm people like wanting to hurt themselves. You know, it's like when you're living in a culture where statistically it seems like those trends are, are continually going in that direction to be okay with being different, you know, and being weird. I think that's a big step, you know, and a, and a person squatting, for example, like that's the way that the human organism defecates. When you go through it, if you cannot deep squat, like what is more foundational to your health to be able to take a dump? You know, so when you go into a, a deep squat position, it literally elongates your rectum. It reduces, it's called the anorectal angle, the puborectalis muscle. It wraps around that. It relaxes, allows your poop chute to get spaciousness enough and long enough for you to actually have a proper poo. You know, so we've just taken that off of the table as like, oh no, that's, you know, some brutal tribalistic stuff, you know, to, to squat, to take a poo. That's crazy. You know, so yeah, if you go, to, if you go to Africa, the to- toilets are holes in the ground, you know, they're yeah. really, like I mean, animal level. I'm really, animals. Right. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And here we are. It's the healthiest. Yeah. That now they're developing know. tools to, to elevate the bathroom floor called potty squatties and things like yeah. that, that we're introducing into in right. a Western culture to try and mimic those movements. Yeah. Yeah. So all that, all that's not me taking a shot at modern culture or romanticizing anything like older than now. Uh, it's just suggesting saying, well, a lot of these things that we have done for millennia that we've, you know, kind of denied ourselves of, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally, they're really easy to reintegrate back into your life and they act as de-stressing systems, you know? And so when you are going into a deep squat position, naturally you're taking your ankles through a deeper range of motion. You know, you're opening up the the muscles in around your, your pelvic floor. Um, you're elongating and decompressing your lower back. You're taking your spine through that that you know full spinal flexion, and then you can come back into you know more extension. So it's like a it's like a little mini massage for your whole entire body. Uh, something that I would suggest for you, getting back to the original question of like, okay, this is great, my freaking neck hurts. Um, you know, I would start looking at what are your uh, your respiratory patterns. How do you breathe? You know, so every time you take a breath. That breath is a is a an expansion and a contraction. You know, that's if you pay a massage therapist to work on your tissues, they're probably gonna do some variety of expanding or or contracting, compressing some tissues, and then, then that will lead to an expansion response. Now a new fluid comes back into that space. Every time you breathe, that's what you're doing. You know, so I would have you lay down your back is just a, something that could be nice for you to do. Um, I would Put a little pillow back behind your your suboccipital ridge space just to kind of raise your neck up. Or you can maybe put like a little ball back there or something like that if you want to be a little bit more aggressive. So you're elongating that space. You might have chronic tension, especially in that, that cervical spine area. And then also follow that. It might be in your lower back. You know, it's really common with many people. And then put your feet up on, it's called an active rest position. We have this in the, the, the book and, you know, a ton more exercises for people. But put your feet up on a the edge of a couch you know, or if you have like, if you're fancy, you have like a yoga swing at your house someplace. I think that'd be great for you to have something fancy. to hang from. That's, that's definitely yeah. fancy. I don't have Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. If you're crazy, if you're crazy, um, I think get a yoga swing, man. I think that's a really cool thing <laughs> to have. You, re- you referenced Tim Ferriss. He's a fan of acro yeah. yoga and, and things of the oh, sort, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that's, that 
having something like that in your life, once again, it's ch- just adding a visual cue so that now suddenly, oh, I'm I'm compelled to get into the yoga swing that I heard about on this crazy podcast. And I flip myself upside down and I decompress my whole entire spine. I open up my hips. I open up my adductors. I do, you know, it's just this natural therapeutic movement that it's not a thing I drive and hunch myself up into a car for 30 minutes to arrive at some person's office. This is being implemented, you know, one to five times a day because I just walk past it. That times a month, times a year, you know, times a decade, it adds up, you know, and yeah. You know, so so laying laying down on your back, prop your head up a little bit so you're not in that kind of like crunched cervical neck position. Um, raise your feet up so that your sacrum is kind of almost like it's it's traction would be the term, like it's almost like lifted off of the ground. Mm-hmm. So your hips are almost like on the edge of dangling, like maybe just a centimeter off of the ground or so. Relax into that position. Bring your hands onto the sides of your ribs you know, specifically on the sides. A lot of times in yoga classes, we hear about like belly breathing. So you have a bunch of people just distending their bellies, trying to be spiritual with their breath, you know, but still not actually engaging that diaphragm to be able to get that full, full expansion of the lungs. So bring your hands on the side of the ribs and just take a few nose breaths. Really emphasize the exhalation. You know, so you could do maybe a version of box breathing, you know, do a four seconds in, hold for four seconds. I would extend the exhalation, maybe do an exhale for eight seconds, six seconds, you know, and go through six rounds of that and just have a moment and see what that does to your autonomic nervous system. You know, because if you're having pain, especially chronic pain um, in your body like that, there's there's probably some level of of stress component within that. And again, mechanical stress is a part of that conversation, but it's not the absolute. Yeah. You know, so in that practice of just laying down, taking a moment to observe your breath, start to engage that diaphragm in a different way, start to engage that the the entirety of your of your your torso and your respiratory capacity. Uh, you know, and just have have a moment to have a little decompression and 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 a check-in with your breath. Um, and I think you'd be my guess, because it's, you seem like a really sensitive person, my guess is you would be surprised with um, the impact of something as simple as that. You know, and if six breaths, if you're willing to do six breaths, you know, try it for 10, you know, and start to implement that. If it, if it helps, say, cool, I'm going to do that, you know, whatever, every day before a call. You know, I just introduce that into my thing. So that's a start. So, the, uh, yeah, I think, so let's put my problems on pause here and let's open the dialogue a little bit more generally with your sure. philosophies, you know, you know, let's for a second, go to align method, which is your book. Um, again, highly recommended. I wouldn't have anybody on the podcast whose book I, uh, or work I didn't recommend, but uh, the align method, a modern movement guide for a stronger body, sharper mind and a stress proof life. So yeah. I think my guess is that applies to about everyone who's listening. And the thing that I, gravitated towards with your work in particular, as, as you just talked about, there's like all these, whether it's environmental cues, this, the concept of movement as a methodology to protect and strengthen against the, you know, the trials of everyday life, whether that's hanging, whether that's breathing. Um, can you talk a little bit how the work that you advocate for 
your life's work is different than someone who's like right now there's maybe something like, Oh, I'm, you know, I, I work on my breathing every day. Cause I, I practice transcendental meditation and I do that once a day or someone else is saying like, Oh yeah, I go to the yoga studio three times a week and you know, I consider myself relatively healthy. Um, how, how would you orient the listeners around what, how, how your universe is different than those other simple examples that I gave? Well, you know, I have a lot of appreciation, respect for anybody that's trying, you know, and, and, and investing themselves in their work and are, are making mistakes and are, you know, like pushing the ball forward, you know, and so I think, you know, the thing to do from a branding lens is to, you know, really set yourself apart, you know, make sure everyone knows how what I'm doing is different and this is the path, you know, but I think that whatever resonates with a person, like we, we just need to start the conversation, you know? And so there's a lot of paths leading up to the top of the mountain and a person can think that their path is the superior path because it worked for them. But I think ultimately whether breath work is what engages you with having a, a deeper relationship with your, with your body. And that spills out in your relationship with other people and maybe, you know, into your business and, uh, you know, or maybe that's CrossFit or maybe that's dancing, whatever it may be. I think there's a lot of different paths. Um, my intention with the Align Method, uh, you know, and working with, with, with clients and the general broader conversation that I'm really interested in is instead of simply reducing down these specific aspects of ourselves. So breath is one of the the toggles or tools that humans have the opportunity to engage with to change their state. A long exhalation will put you into a more calm, uh, parasympathetic, rest, relaxed type place. You know, if you <gasps> take a breath in through your mouth like that, say you're surprised, that's teeing you up for that, you know, that, that sympathetic response. And so that's beautiful. So we have the option or the opportunity to engage with our breath any way that we choose because we understand the basic user's manual and how to, uh, how to pull the toggles. You know, so our visual system, when it's a very similar system, these are all integrated systems. When you are looking up at something myopically up close, you're focused in, right? That's going to cue your nervous system to be in that more executive function, get stuff done. You know, there's a potential threat we need to either fight or flight or, you know, sort this out. When you allow your eyes, your visual system to go into that panoramic view, take the whole, the entirety of the, of the picture in the savanna, whatever you're looking at, or just that you're just spacing out in the room. It sends a signal to your autonomic nervous system that, oh, okay, Chase is, Chase is chilling. It's, there's clearly no reason to be in, you know, to boost up norepinephrine or cortisol or any of these stress hormones. Because if we were in that state, Chase would be focused in on a single threat. You know, so acknowledging and understanding and say, okay, when I'm working out in the gym, I can leverage these, these sensual systems in my body the same way that I would le leverage these mechanical principles. You know, so the next level within that, you know, I mean, everything, temperature regulation, all of these are a part of fitness and movement, you know, and then the one that most people are, uh, the more common conversation would be, you know, the, the very like obvious, like mechanical engineering, you know, hip hinging and neutral spine and things of the sort. You know, so what I really care about and that what would separate the align method would be providing a comprehensive 
simple, digestible guide for people to understand how to drive their body effectively. You know, because we get that with a, a car, you know, you go through, get a learner's permit, you have a person drive beside you, you parallel park, you, you, know, you read books for a while, you take classes about it. And it just blows my mind that we don't have that in, in most modern school systems. We never really get the user's manual on how to drive the body. So that's it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, if I, I'm open to the, uh, to the book right now and, you know, early on, you talk about the different archetypal, yeah, uh, po postural archetypes and yeah. with, you know, like the mopey would be how I would consider, you know, what I think of myself as having poor posture, but you know, there's, you know, anxious, which is head down. There's, uh, uh, Swole, which is like all puff, puffed up, like bodybuilder type. Yeah. There's bendy, where you see people that are kind of like noodly, yeah. um, and aligned, which is, um, the m what one would envision as, uh, I think just aligned. Your spine is aligned. Your shoulders are back. Your, you know, your hips, knees, shoulders are supporting one another adequately, etc. And the it's, it's dramatic when you think about how like most bodies can flop into <laughs> those, those different, you know, archetypes and yeah. part of this, you know, your, your methodology is oriented towards, you know, having visual cues in your universe, this idea of movement as, you know, lifestyle, as there's a quote in the second chapter the uh, George Bernard Shaw quote, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. That's it. If we, if, if we just think about the archetypes, the, you know, the cues in your system, describe for us what, uh, if you could um, map onto someone's life, what the day might look like, because this is a good way sure. I think to bring your philosophy uh, to life. What do yeah. you think if you could, if, if someone's being treated by you, they yeah. are a, a patient, what is an example of, you know, walk us through what, what, you, how you would coach their life to be. And you can take a, a, you know, real or fictitious person. I just yeah. want to help understand, uh, help those listeners understand, uh, I, I guess your overall lens and what, what, a, what, a what's possible. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, again, seeking for things that are, are set this approach apart from a, a more common model would be thinking about, you know, f first, how do you want to feel? You know, so the way that I want to feel might be different. I mean, it's probably different than the way that you want to feel compared to somebody else. You know, so I think starting off and just really defining where is it that I want to go? You know, and I think that we were quick to apply moralistic judgments of like, oh, that diet's bad or that diet's good or that fitness regimen's good or bad. And, you know, I like for something to be good or bad, you first have to define the out the intended outcome. And then is that taking us further away or closer to the intended outcome, which ultimately is subjective? You know, so Let's having that vital vitality, energy lust yeah. for life, a connectedness to their environment, um, you know, the, the ability to express oneself. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, so if, if it was, if it was that type of person that is like expression and such, um, the big thing that I would be saying is, is starting to incorporate activities, uh, that are coordination based, you know, and outside as much as, as much as you, you comfortably can, you know, and allowing yourself to, uh, when you're just outside in nature, you know, you were, we're solving thousands of problems per minute, you know, as you're just wa- riding a bike down a path, you're running all of these equations, you know, determine, determining when is this person going to be in this place, when is you know, like the algorithms, there's a, you know, so you're just running through these systems, you know, and it's like, that's really what engages the body, you know, and so many great thinkers historically have come from a place of like, oh, you know, I get my best ideas when I'm in the bathtub or when I'm sailing or when I'm, I'm taking a walk. You know, it's, it's literally, it's, 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 it enlivens our minds, you know, it enlivens our, our humanity, lines are not just our, our cells and our, you know, our, our, our neuromuscular system, our musculoskeletal system, you know, but the way that we think and it forms the way that we think, you know, so starting off would be, uh, getting a regular sleep schedule is a big thing. So mm-hmm. most research would suggest that, you know, ideally you're getting up and you're watching the sunrise, you know, and you're exposing your eyes to the sun and getting that infrared light um, at those early hours. That's going to be really supportive. Uh, but the big thing is that you're, you are, I mean, that's amazing if, if you're doing that, uh, but maybe some people cannot do that because of you know, work or whatever it may be. Uh, or you live in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> and in, so, in, so yeah, so in that case you could get lights, you know, to, to replicate that. Um, and introduce those into your house, you know, so Andrew Huberman, he's, he helped with the, the vision chapter in the book. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and one of the things that he does is he incorporates, he has, uh, some type of light that, cause he wakes up before the sun, you know, and so he, he, his sunrise essentially is that light that he exposes his eyes to, uh, but having consistency of sleep patterns is going to be a, a massive thing, you know, so getting your circadian rhythms down so that, each day, you know, you're, there's some level of dependability in your life, you know, so, so from a hormonal level, they really thrive on dependability, you know, so it's kind of like a relationship. It's like you have a relationship with your cells. You know, so the starting point I would say is, is coming to that place of, um, you know, treating in the, in the book, I reference a, a buddy of mine called Colin Wilson. He plays, he retired now, but he played ice hockey for the, the Colorado Avalanche. And, um, one of the things he said to me while we were just on a sauna session or like passively like throwaway statement was that, that sleep is a weapon. And it like, it was like, I'm like, like, that's it. You know, so really looking at sleep as you know, you're wearing your PJs and it's like this soft yin, you know, you're like candles, like, no, no sleep is a weapon, you know? So leveraging that and really being intentional about that, I think is going to be primary. Uh, and then from there, nature is a weapon, you know, so spending time outside, getting enough vitamin D, for example, you know, or, or allowing your, your, your body to be able to create enough vitamin D, um, and acknowledging and recognizing that your, your muscles, you know, reframing the concept of muscles as just being these pulley systems, you know, but think of them as like endocrine glands, you know, and as you are pumping and pushing and pulling and extending and contracting, you are engaging your physiology to be producing, you know, the neurochemistry that makes you feel well, you know, so however that happens for you, follow the feel, 
if you love running, you know, running can be rough one from a hormonal perspective, you know, long, long distance running can be kind of challenging. So I would maybe if, if there was, if there was any kind of issues there, I would say looking into like maybe like sprint training or like interval training is going to be, you know, a pretty, pretty good approach. Um, but f- whatever makes you feel alive, make sure that you make that be a primary focus in your life. You know, so whatever, if that's rollerblading, if that's dancing, if that's Tybo, you know, like whatever the thing that just lights you up, because what lights me up absolutely is going to be different than somebody else. And I would say, yeah. you know, open up your life, open up your schedule to, to find that, you know, because going back to the George Bernard Shaw quote, like it's when you stop playing, like that's when your body starts to, you know, it starts to, to collapse, you know, because if we're not playing here, like what are we doing here? You know, and so start to to implement that idea that, you know, of that concept of play that you get in your movement practice throughout the day, you know, and implement that play into your relationships. You know, so when you're talking with someone, say, I'm at the gym, you know, whether you're, whether you're in an office space or whether you're doing a podcast with somebody, like ideally this conversation between you and I, it's like this kind of form of dance or this form of play. And if at the end of that, we both had that, that mutual experience of play, that was a good conversation. You know, if it's something, this thing's like, oh, we're kind of like, I'm here, you know, selling a book, you know, and you're over here <laughs> selling sponsorships on your podcast. You're just going to kind of grind through this. Nobody gives a shit. Like, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> and you can like, tell, too. You can yeah. tell, right? <laughs> you know, so, so we're so enamored. By play, you know, and there's there's a guy, uh, Fran, uh, what is his name? Jacques Panskep, who's like one of the, the leading researchers in the the field of play. He's notorious for tickling rats. Have you ever heard like seem like rats being tickled? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, so so he's he defined like like a whole separate uh, network in the brain that's that's committed to play. You know, it's it's like it's it's a it's a part of our humanity. You know, and and some of the research that he did with rats specifically was found if, if small rats are wrestling with bigger rats, the bigger rats will allow the smaller rats to win about thirty percent of the time. And the reason for that is, is because they want to play this infinite game. You know, so I think that integrating that concept, infusing that concept into the way that you live your life, um, you know, that's going to, that's going to pay dividends, you know, and that's going to keep you youthful deep into your life. And I think that we're, we're, we're continually, because we come from a more kind of mechanistic mindset, maybe since, I don't know, like Newtonian physics or something like there was a, there's been a transition where we kind of typically we're in this reductionist mechanistic mindset. So we're saying, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. Um, but I think that if we can infuse the, the overarching philosophy of, you know, like following your bliss, like Joseph Campbell, you know, and allow that to fit to your specific scenario, um, I think that's that's huge, and I think that's when we get into you know, some of like the French paradox. We're like, they're eating baguettes, they're smoking cigarettes, you know, like they're drinking wine all day. Why are they so much healthier than us? <laughs> like, I'm orthorexic. I should be amazing. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's something else. Yeah, you know, and so I think, I think that, that, that's- that no, I, I'm a huge fan of what you're saying right now. Specifically, you this idea that 
play is something that we have to reward ourselves if we do enough hard work right in order to get some outcome the irony is that it's actually the other way around right if you play then you're going to work smarter work better you're going to be um i think you know all of the physiological and emotional benefits that you talked about with play or that, that we can use the french as an example of and that's actually the thing that delivers the results rather than the other way around the fact that you know that creative studios sometimes will create a culture of just joy and connection and belonging because you're in this process of of like playing people look at the work that the designers do as they just goofing around i'm over here i'm i'm in the growth team and i'm over here crunching data and trying to find the you know one percent that does x or y look at those folks over there in the design studio they're you know they've got a dartboard and they're throwing you know darts at the campaigns that they like the most on the bulletin board and but the irony that sorry the irony is that there's this um you know this concept this connection or to go back to the the shaw quote you know it's not really that you stop playing when you get old it's that you get old when you stop playing yeah and and, and it's acknowledging that you know the stories that we tell ourselves and there was you know a handful of stories that i heard you speak about in relation to your own body you know saying that your uh, how did you call your ankle you said it's like some version of it it's jacked up or it's shitty you're like it's i got a shitty ankle you know it's just (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a hamburger (laughs) yeah right you know and so it's you know be careful with the stories that we rehearse and and so 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 that's a, a an important thing is to you know how many people go through this existential crisis of I'm, I'm 40. What does this mean? I'm 50. And what does this mean? I'm, you know, I've, we, we put ourselves into a double bind of having these expectations of who we think we're supposed to be. And then that can end up translating into a, you know, a musculoskeletal pattern, you know, and, and, you know, in, in the book, I reference William James a lot. He's, he's known as the, the father of modern psychology. And he was one of the primary voices in, in the, the conversation of looking at sensation and experience and emotion from a, a lens of bottom up as opposed to top down. You know, so bottom up being like body up into the, into the mind and top down being mind down in the body, which again, mind body, like your body doesn't know these terms. You know, these, these again are, are made up, made up terms, a concept of a, a mind and a body. We made that up, <laughs> you know, so first right. it's like acknowledging that. You know, but one of the things that he suggested in reference in the book is when you, you know, if you, I think the reference he used was if you see a bear in the woods, you know, because he was, you know, from X amount of hundred, hundred odd years ago. And so if you see a bear, uh, he would suggest that your body moves you into a sensation of fear as opposed to the concept that the bear invokes, you know, some neuronal pathways in the brain. And then that is the primary, which even still the neural pathways would be a form of movement. You're still moved, yeah. right? There's no sensation without movement. So you're defining, it's just, it's just moving the bar of your specific definition of movement. But ultimately for you to experience it is movement. And so when you are having, when you're going through some scenario, whatever the thing may be, you, know, you can start to tap into a lot of different levers. Like that's the big thing that I, like the metaphor that I probably use more than is necessary. Like we have these toggles and we have these levers 
that we can pull on, you know, to, to change our state, to use like Tony Robbins talk. Uh, mm-hmm. But most of us don't, we just don't, we're, we're blind to seeing the levers on the wall or, you know, or, or on our, or our body. You know, and so when we are moving throughout our days, it's like, I think that uh, in the book I have a, I kind of do a, a break down an exercise of breaking down the way that you'd want to feel and then visualizing yourself in that state and specifically visualizing uh, from a, a postural, from a movement pattern lens. Like how does, what's the shape of your body when you're in that state? And it's such an interesting thing. If you think that you take a moment, it's like, yeah, what does contentment or satisfaction or like love, like what is, what's the postural expression of love? You know, and be able to give yourself a moment and start to feel into that. And then, you know, test it out. Go into your next business meeting or your next conversation or conversation with your son or daughter or wife or girlfriend, you know, and and move into the conversation with with that lens, you know, and just see what happens. Yeah. I, it's incredible to me how this, you know, the mind-body connection um, it takes me to a piece really early, maybe even back in the intro of the book, three principles that you um, call into awareness. One, that you have no idea the depth of your physical capacities or your resilience. 99 per, 999% of the population has never come up against the edge of those things. So you knowing knowing your true depth, breadth, you know what's possible for your physical capabilities, yeah, most people don't know too that it is the natural state of a human to be pain free, and three yeah. that your body is actually designed to function over a lifetime that could easily eclipse a hundred years. So these yeah. are not sort of like suppositions. This is this is this is fact, right? Most people don't know the definition of or the the depth of their possibility. Humans are meant to be pain-free and your body is an incredible mechanism that's meant to carry you around for more than a hundred years. Yeah. If you just focus on those three things and you take a series of what I would consider simple, not easy, but simple steps, like the, you can actually start to understand and experience the fundamentals that you pointed to. I also want to, yeah. so go ahead and comment on no. that, Aaron, if you want well, I mean, it's just coming back to the, the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, yeah. starting starting to adjust, tinker with the narrative that uh, you ascribe to with doing hard things, you know. And so if you can get, like I have some friends, I don't, do you know the Seek Discomfort people, Amar or any of those guys? I feel like you, they're in your wheelhouse. No, Anyways, I don't, sorry. but uh, yeah, no, yes, I'm, yes, these, yes, these are, theory, these are yes, notes I'm taking. Yes, yes, theory is the YouTube channel. They got like a big YouTube channel. They're super great. Uh, but their, their brand is, is called Seek Discomfort. And, you know, that's the thing is, is if you can start to change that narrative um, mm-hmm. where the things that make you uncomfortable, that's, you've actually shifted it. That's where you, de- that's where you derive the juice from. It's like yeah. when I'm, uncomfortable i know that that's it means that i'm in the right spot it means that there's a reward on the other side of that you know so you're like pavlov's dog classical conditioning yourself into aha i'm i'm in that uncomfort that that discomfort again and eventually it becomes like whack-a-mole you know as opposed to being in a place that through 
this this process of human ev- evolution, we've done such a good job at avoiding discomfort that we're it's like, oh crap, like we needed some of it. <laughs> like we like we did yeah. we were too effective. Right. You know, and so well, it's, it's, yeah. The cold plunge is a great example, right? You you know, yeah. Vim Hof has endorsed your book. I've got a cold plunge yeah. here at my home and and I'm in it every morning. And there's not one morning right. I'm like, you know what? It's gonna be so fun. But as soon as you're in there, you're like, I do this for a reason. This actually does oh, yeah. feel good. And 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 this, you know, getting comfortable, uh, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Or if you've ever been, you know, you go uh, speaking of creature comforts, you go camping, and if you realize it takes you like 25 minutes 30 minutes to make a cup of coffee yep you know you guys and then you the coffee or the food or the meal tastes somehow better yeah and what did you do hard to make what did you do you you moved yourself into that coffee right yeah so i have this amazing coffee machine in my kitchen where it literally i press a button and there's coffee beans in it, and it goes espresso. It does the whole things, and I just walk away. I come back and like, bam, like coffee, <laughs> caffeine straight to the face, you know. And I take it. And I always feel like fine after drinking it, you know. But I didn't move myself into the coffee, you know. So any for like your whole history forever, you know, until like the very like if it was modernity you know or you could say like the agrarian age since we started farming it's like ten thousand years you know so the history of the human organism that would be if it was a roll of toilet paper that would be like a little tiny itty bitty sliver of your human your human experience on this timeline this linear timeline you know and so during that forever you know essentially uh if you wanted to do a thing you moved yourself into the thing it's 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 like the, the the coding that we run on, you know. And so when you're out there camping and you know all the all that, the thing that I wanted to say that I was excited about was uh, starting to, as far as actionable tools that people can do that matter, is starting to position your activities uh, and your your friendships, you know, and your business relationships and like all the things, also around joy, play movement nature like take the medicine you know like the, there's like the, the there's the, we have this this cabinet that pretty much unanimously every expert would would agree is like yep it's always good for you and start to infuse that into your activities with other people and ultimately i think that that tribal connection that friendship that relationship you know there's like the 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 statistic or the concept that loneliness is worse than smoking 18 cigarettes a day and it's like you know it's this massive killer it's this down regulator of the like the human soul you know and then you can extrapolate out and you know what is soul maybe souls you know associated with our immune function associated with our lymphatic flow and our cardiovascular function all this thing i think if you feel like you know if you if you've what david goggins says like i took his soul you know that feeling of oh i'm a loser Right, that that soul, like you take that that has physiological translations, yeah. you know, and and uh, you know I think that having that human connection, I don't think I know that having that human connection is, um, you know, it's it's invaluable, you know. So starting again, positioning our lives around what what brings me closer into contributing to something 
meaningful and what brings me closer into spending time with people that I love about and care about and nurturing those relationships, creating anchors in my life, you know? And so that's support, right? So we talk about yeah. finding a neutral spine and finding intra-abdominal pressure and finding, you know, you know, reducing, you know, like if you've got like a, a flaccid joint or lax hyper laxity, it's like too much looseness. It's unstable. It's out of control. And so those are postural expressions for a felt state. If you feel unstable, you feel out of control, you feel like chaos, you know, how does that translate in the body? Anyway, so that was, that was a long no, monologue. No, no, dude, I, but this is, this is why I like your work because I think yeah. it demonstrates the interconnectedness to and this lack of like, it's not necessarily sort of cause and effect, um, which is a you know, reasonable uh, jumping point to talk about, you know, the way you organized uh, the book has a lot to do with we've we've danced across a myriad of them, but um, you know this idea in part one welcoming one to one's body, this understanding of how, you know where you fit, how do you sort of self diagnose? That's the postural stuff we talked about as an example, not yeah. all encompassing, but as an example. The second part of the book, the daily movements, you've already spoken about uh, you know hip hinging and breathing and hanging. These are examples of things that are available to everyone. Um, two that we haven't covered, uh, walking and floor sitting. We did in a yeah. way because you mentioned, you know, how do you join your work things with things that people pretty much universally agree are good for you, like walking. Yeah. Walking meetings are incredible. I started doing this about uh, six or seven years ago. And, uh, you know, I love it. If you can um, take a walk with a colleague for work, this idea, it, it, it seems more valuable than just the meeting clearly. Yeah. Um, right. But, yeah. and know, it causes you, to, it causes you to think differently, you know? So as you're out there taking yeah. that walk, if you want to have creative ideas, you know, writing, we'll, we'll get to the, the things, this will be very short, you know, but the way that you move that the, the some of the research that's been done around this is specifically with cursive handwriting. And mm -hmm. the suggestion is that upon writing in cursive, because we're going through these flowy movements with our wrists, it can be supportive with, um, you know, supporting creativity, you know, and so as we're, so that's just a, you know, science sometimes is funny where we're trying to create these isolated reductions, essentially, you know, but you just, you know, if you get done with a dance class, you know, and how does your mind feel? You know, it doesn't, we don't need to always have like, okay, here's the, it's like, just go do Hormones the like, that tell, are being, yeah. yeah. Like, tell me how you feel. You know, it's probably way easier for you to walk up to that person that would have made you nervous before because you're in your body, you know, and you went through this time and you're expressing and all of a sudden you're on your drive home, you have all these new ideas, you know, and you needed to take yourself through those those, those motions in order to kind of get the gears turning. Uh, the floor sitting stuff is, is gets, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like, you know, that's like we were talking about before with like the Tanzania uh, yeah. cultures in the world that spend time, you know, with their hips down below the height of their knees, which we've, we've kind of uh, we've, we've transitioned away from that <laughs> as modern yeah. culture. You know, we spend the entirety of our day sitting in some version of hips at 90 degrees, ankles 90 degrees, knees 90 degrees, usually kind of slouched over. That position, if you were to look at any animal in nature, if they were in that, you know, you remove the computer, remove the cell phone, you would look at that animal and you would assume 
because that's the way that we're conveying information to each other is through body language and voice tonality and the pacing of our language, you know, but there's, you know, millions of bits of information, visual cues that we're sending back and forth to each other, you know, and then sometimes we can get caught up in the words, but I think that, you know, the, the deeper meaning is, 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 you know, that body language and the tone. Um, if you were to see an animal in nature in that position, you would assume that animal is sick, right? You would assume that animal is sad. You assume that animal just lost their mother or something. You'd be like, oh, like what's, they just take a still frame picture, you know, Chase Jarvis got the camera out, boom, got the photo. You know, it had no concept of computers or cell phones. You say, what's happening with that person? What's their state? You say, okay, sick or sad, you know? And so we do that throughout the day for so much. Um, you know, the implications of that, I think that, you know, you could kind of extrapolate your own ideas about it. But what you can see from a musculoskeletal perspective, at least, is cultures such as Northern Africa, um, Southeastern Asia, um, Eastern Mediterranean, specifically the places that have been studied with this, spend a lot of time in floor seated positions in general. Uh, there's other factors in here as well. Uh, but they have minimal to no instance of osteoarthritis of the hips, of the knees, Pelvic floor dysfunction is diminished. Uh, you know, the adult diaper industry is slowly exceeding that of the baby diaper industry in the United States. You know, so wow. you get to a certain age and it's like, oh, yeah, you just start, you know, you, you pee your pants. You know, it's just what you do. It's like that's that. Once again, there's a movement conversation in all of this. And yeah. when we when we strip ourselves of these these natural healing mechanisms, movement mechanisms that allow our cells to restore to full function, um, then of course there's going to be a cost to that. You know, so there's, and so something that we can do is just start to make it easy and accessible for you and your family and your friends to just get down to that range of motion to get down to the ground. So get a really comfortable rug in your house, maybe get some Moroccan poofs or some floor cushions. Um, you know, I have a couch here. I have a TV. I have like, my place looks pretty normal ish. Um, you know, but I have, I'm sitting on the ground right now. You wouldn't have known that unless you saw me like get up. Uh, but this whole entire time I'm in a 90, 90 position with my legs. I was in a straddle position before I was in a cross-legged position, you know, so I'm like, I've been yogaing this whole entire time. You know, and my, my computer is, is there's a, a window right here. There's a, a river about 130 feet away. So I can see I'm looking into the trees. Um, I can't see the water, but, you know, I know it's there, which makes me feel good. You know, so I'm getting natural sunlight coming in here. So I'm, I'm in my, my, I'm in captivity, but I'm augmenting the captivity. It's kind of like, like, uh, have you heard the, the experiment Rat Park that was done in British Columbia? No. You heard this? So the old, the old, the old idea of, you know, if you give a rat cocaine water, you know, you give them cocaine, then they're just going to ruin their lives and just become, you know, a, abusive <laughs> cocaine addicts. And they're just going to stew and, and die and just keep on sucking on that cocaine feeder. Uh, that's ridiculous. Like if you, if you give a, a, a rat purpose, and you give them play and you give them a rat girlfriend and you give them, you know, they called it, this was done, I think in the seventies or eighties. Uh, if you, I'm trying to think the guy, his last name was Alexander. I, I don't remember the researcher's first name, uh, but they called it rat park, you know, and they made this great, like, you know, rat lifestyle and they gave the rat all the cocaine at once. And the rat's like, 
not that into cocaine actually you know like every now and again have a bump you know but <laughs> it was not wrecking my life <laughs> oh, i'm gonna use you that know, one that's amazing you know and so and so sorting enough, out enough good stuff in there yeah enough good stuff yeah. in your life yeah you make it you make choices that you make important. you make you make better choices you know and and so that would be it's just i mean fall risk that's the number one leading reason for elderly, you know, our parents needing to enter into some assisted living facility, you know, and, and it's like that in and of itself is just such an astounding concept that we are, we're, we're choosing, you know, consciously or unconsciously to just let that piece of ourselves go. You know, there's nothing inherently human about not being able to get up and down off of the ground. If you are doing that with any level of regularity through your life, which any natural human, like, you know, in, in any, any natural environment would be doing with regularity, it doesn't just one day like go away. And so that in and of itself, I, I, you know, I would think would be enough, but then there's, you know, the benefits of lymphatic circulation and blood circulation and general mobility of all of your joints and just tissue health, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction per mentioned osteoarthritis, like it does all the things, you know, and that's most healthy mediums or practices or choices that we make. They're almost always shotguns. Like there's not a lot of things in the human complex body as opposed to the, the complicated body you know, in a, in a car, you can get a paint job or you can, you know, change the, the, you know, the oil actually would affect a lot of things, you know, but you can change specific parts and it just affects that place. Most of the things that make a person happy, healthy, whole, they're pretty much, you know, they, they pull all the levers at one time. And by it's shotgun, very, it's very so convenient. But by shotgun, you mean they have a lot of effect, right? They're, they, yeah. they're not a laser beam, which has a very narrow effect. And to me, that's part of the challenge with modern, say, farm, farm, pharmaceuticals, right? An aspirin right. would not pass, would, an aspirin today would not pass the FDA because it's too general. It helps right. too many, it is too, too many different activators versus yeah. the drug has to be, you know, inhibit this particular protein from binding to this thing, which has this particular outcome. And yeah. it's not approved if it's not narrow enough. Yeah. Um, this, I just, uh, I don't want to blow smoke, but I love your approach to, you know, the human condition, um, movement, um, the environment your ability to control our environment and how that shapes our, our mind and our body. Um, I know we, we covered a lot of ground because your work is very broad and comprehensive things like, you know, aligning your home for health and creativity with these visual cues and, you know, hanging bars. This, this is, it's all so available to everyone. And then you hear stats like you just shared. The number one reason people go into home is because they can't get up off the floor that they fell down to. Yep. Like we can, we can do better. We can align our office for healthier, um, you know, healthier work experience. We can shift and better our... and be and better business, better outcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no once yeah, once that... again the shotgun thing. It's not like okay, I'm just gonna be healthier and just gonna be you know have less inflammation and be more creative and you know feel more generally just like awake and have joie de vie. I'm just, I'm just exclusively do that, and then my work is gonna suffer. 
It's like, no, that's what makes you magnetic. That's what makes people yeah. want to work with you. That's, that's all. It's, it's so on point. And I want to thank you for your work. Again, for those uh, those folks at home, Align Method. Where would you steer people? Obviously, the book, the podcast. I don't know if you want to add any additional color. Uh, yeah. What's the best place for people to you know be in touch with you and your work? Well, uh, I mean, I think most people probably just grab their cell phones and go to Instagram typically. Um, you know, so all of my stuff is at Align Podcast. Uh, so, you, you know, Instagram's Align Podcast, podcast called Align Podcast. Uh, if you're open to it, I'd love to have you on the podcast at some point. No hard feelings. Sign if not. Up. Oh, good. Cool. Sign me yeah, up. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. That'd, that'd be great. Committing, committing here on in, in front of, you know, yeah, right. of thousands of people. It's happening. Uh, yeah, I love it. Let's do that. Um, so... Uh, and then the, the book, The Align Method, that is, it's an expanded revised version. It comes out January 11th. And uh, yeah, so you can pre-order that if that's before January 11th. And if not, ideally, you walk to your bookstore to grab it. Uh, if, if you are going to get on Amazon, <laughs> maybe do it on a laptop like outside. That'd be great. <laughs> Take your sunglasses off so you're getting full spectrum light under your eyeballs. It's my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> now you you have uh your thinking is simple and profound and that's a, a, a very difficult combination that i really respect and admire um this community will rush out and take care of advanced purchasing your book again comes out in january we're dropping it before then so around your pub week to help with that thanks Thank for you. the work that you do aaron i'm happy to be on the podcast we'll flip that around and maybe even syndicate right. it back to this listening audience um, thank you for the work that you bring to the world. And, uh, again, I just folks, the, the book is, is outstanding and you really enjoy the podcast. If you've enjoyed any component of what we talked about today, making your workplace better, your home better, and overall your life better through movement and alignment. Aaron, thank you for joining us on the show. You've been an amazing guest and until next time, everybody out there in the world, we, uh, bid you all adieu. Ooh. All right, real quick. Hey, before you go, if you know anything about me or my work, you know how deeply I believe in the power of creativity. It's so core for a successful, fulfilling life. I mean, that life cannot be built by accident, right? That's only an accumulation of intentions and daily choices and actions and the stories we tell ourselves about what's possible with this one precious life. Well, I want you to know that I wrote a book specifically about this and if you enjoy the show and you don't yet have the book i think uh i think you ought to because i think it's an incredible companion to all the work the 10 years that we put into making this show the book is called creative calling you can get it of course at, at amazon or or your local bookshop or anywhere books are sold or at creativecalling.com uh, but there is a creative process I outline in the book, a series of daily habits. It's very, very actionable. And again, wherever you are on your path, whether you're just starting out or you are a veteran, um, if I don't, if that book doesn't add value to your life, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. So if that book doesn't uh, add value to your life, then you can message me personally, and I will, I will get your 15 bucks back for the hardback edition. Uh, I just want you to know that if, if you're new here or you haven't checked out the book, please do and let me know what you think. All right. Thanks again. And we'll see you uh, the next episode.